I'm Brett Coleman, and you're listening to the Sounds of the Loom podcast. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm your host, Steve McPherson. With me is everyone's second favorite British ginger behind Prince Harry. <laughs> okay, third favorite behind Prince Harry and Ron Weasley. Callum Williams. Cal, <laughs> have you ever broken a bone? Uh, yes, I have. My wrist. How, and how did that happen? I was playing soccer. Okay. And I was playing Na- goal. Nasty fall? Uh, I was playing goal and... Um, the impact of the ball because the ball was really close. Whoever hit it hit it right at my my hand, which mm-hmm. was at an awkward angle anyway, and it sort of pushed it back and cracked. Um, I, I, I think I might have fallen down there, and then it cracked. Maybe, okay. like, but but the result was that my my wrist cracked. Yeah. Um, does that count as broken? It wasn't like I you know snapped or anything. Well, I mean, that counts to me. Okay. I mean, I had never, I had never broken a bone until uh, I broke my finger very slightly in Kansas City um, when we were down there. Uh, I, I fell on some stairs. Yeah, I remember you telling me about. It. We were rooming together. You told me about that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, ah, I fell on my finger and it really hurt. And then I found out when I got back, it was like it, it didn't stop hurting. So I went and got it X-rayed, and it turned out it was broken. Ouch. Very, very little bit. Uh, I don't believe I have broken a bone recently unless I broke my ribs this past weekend playing basketball, which I might have okay. because I fell and I bounced up and I was like, I'm fine. And then I, I rested. I, I finished that game and I rested the next game. And then I, when I played again, I got bumped in the chest and I was like, I oh. can't. <laughs> so, uh, so I either have bruised ribs or possibly broken ribs, but apparently there's nothing you can do about it. Like the, it's when good you let it self feel, haven't you? Yeah. When you, when you, uh, when you, they can't give you a cast or anything like <laughs> that. Right. So, uh, so it just, it just sits there hurting and you just try to keep your children from running directly into it, which is, uh, where I am right now. With that. So, um, it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. Um, I don't recommend breaking things to anybody. So um, breaking news. No, I don't have any breaking news. That would have been a great segue. Uh, Let's talk training because this is the wonderful thing we have to talk about right now because training started yesterday. Today it's Tuesday. Uh, It's it's underway. Uh, Just give me your your initial feelings on on training getting started, what it means to you. It's always the most – exciting time of the season no doubt because obviously we've we've had an extended break we've had too long of a break in my opinion and it was there was such an overwhelming feeling of excitement walking in to the national sports center the other day and and seeing you know players hugging each other obviously they haven't seen each other for a couple of months or certain players haven't anyway and um seeing the the rookies and the draft picks who are very excited to get themselves involved and seeing uh, you know a lot of the the new players integrating themselves as well and and also as well from from our point of view from the media side as well you know we today on the tuesday got to to see a lot of other journalists who we get along with um Mostly, in, get, in the local mostly get along with. <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding. Just kidding, Jeff. No, just kidding. Um, 
and uh, you know some of the backroom staff as well who obviously when we travel we, we get to know as well um, it it was really really nice it, yeah it, the, there was the, the feeling was finally here we are let's go and do this yeah I think that uh, right when Adrian started his availability this morning the first thing he said was you know no no losses no wins you mm-hmm. know like he's he has to neither deal with what you did right and figuring out how to keep that going or what you did wrong the yes. week before and how to address that instead you're sort of you're at the blank slate that blank slate moment is sort of a beautiful it's sort of a beautiful thing and i think it's it, to me one of the things that has struck me now having gone through two off seasons i guess at this point uh since i joined the club right before the first season in mls um is when i was a journalist covering uh you know the nba the off season would come and my schedule would change. You know, I would sort of, uh, I was always working at least part time and doing some other stuff and then freelancing mm-hmm. additionally. So I would sort of pull back, you know, it takes stock. I would write about some things in the off season. I would go to NBA summer league, but, uh, you know, but I would sort of observe things from afar. And then when training camp started, it was kind of my chance to be like, all right, everybody's been relaxing and now we're all working. And then now that I work for a team, I realize it's like you never stop working. Yeah. Like you the, the work is just very different in the off season. You go into a real uh, project mode uh, instead of this sort of during the season – uh, it's the, there's sort of a weekly grind. That's mm-hmm. the backdrop for everything. It's sort of the you know the ambient noise, right? That every week you're gonna have. You're gonna go to training. You're gonna talk to a player. You're gonna talk to Adrian. You're gonna collect information. You're gonna think about the week ahead. You write a preview. There's a game. You write a recap. There's sort of these. There's sort of these 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 signposts, and they happen every week. And then in between that other stuff, you do other things. In the offseason, you sort of lose that regularity of stuff, and instead it becomes like these large icebergs of projects, you know, especially as we're prepping for Allianz Field that, Mm. you know, for me, people who listen to this show, you know, you hear me on here. Uh, you I, you read stuff I write on the website, but I spend a lot of time writing things that you never see right. <laughs> that are, yes. you know, presentations that go into decks. It's, you know, press releases that you probably don't care whether I wrote them or not or anything mm-hmm. like that. There's a lot of background stuff that happens that, that goes on in the offseason. And it's kind of nice to me. It's just kind of nice to get back to that. Ah, yes, we're a soccer team. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not just a company that manufactures press releases, <laughs> uh, which can is can be kind of what it feels like a little in the offseason. So it's just that. That nice feeling of it really brings back that core of why we're here and it's about soccer and it's it's really fun to watch the guys out there um any you know have you had any specific impressions of players you were you there yesterday as well i don't know how much actually went on in the afternoon yesterday but um it it was fairly similar to what we saw today to be honest i think it was really getting a feel for particularly a lot of the new players as well. Um, one thing I did notice is that uh, Ozzy Alonso does not mess around. Right. And there were a couple of, of crunching challenges straight away, uh, which I think, you know, I think the reaction outside the field was, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, young Gregush looks um, very composed. Uh, obviously, he is... A man mountain beyond belief. Uh, His size (laughs) is something that I was not really prepared for. Um, He's not like, you know, he's not NBA player center size. I mean, you know, I've sort of got used to that kind of thing. But 
you know, I think about how I felt about Wyatt Omsberg when he came in, and you saw like how big he was, how tall he was. Um, first of all, Omsberg has put on some some muscle. Yep. Um, he definitely looks f- filled out. Omsberg is six four, right? Gregus is Gregus. Great. I'm gonna say Gregus. So y- we, don't even correct me. We spoke to him. We spoke. To I him. know. He said he didn't care. Come on. <laughs> he was like, whatever. Say whatever. Jan Gregus. Gregus. There we go. Gregus uh, is six three. <laughs> So he's only an inch. Like there was a part where he, there was a, there was they were sort of doing like little scrimmages, you know, mm-hmm. like five aside kind of small games. And there was a point where Gregish was standing next to Omsberg, and I was like, they look like the same guy. <laughs> like they they look very similar, and they both have like b- good broad shoulders. Um, so yeah, that I mean, I, I was looking at him going, he could be a center back. Like physically looking at him, he could be a center back. So. Just so tall, just consistent. Flickers of snow at the peak, you know, just like yeah. stop being so tall. Yeah, it's unreal. But anyway, look, I mean, look, this guy will give us a, a lot moving forward, no doubt. And it's interesting. He was asked by the press uh, why uh, why he chose number eight, and he said because number six was already taken. <laughs> yeah, I love that. He's got a real. I I, I described it as. His mien, which I, you know, just sort of the way about him, like how he carries himself, that's that's uh, very appealing to me because he's he's not dismissive of, you know, he doesn't sound like he's looking down on anybody when he says this kind of thing, but he's very focused on soccer. He's very focused on what he contributes to the team and and on that work and not on, you know, when he's asked, what do you like as a player? He's now twice said, I don't like to say that. I like to leave other people to talk about mm-hmm. what they observe from me. I know I put in the work. Um, you know, when asked about, you know, whether eight or six matters, he was just sort of like, well, that's fine. Yep. Like, I'm here to play soccer. I'm not here to think about numbers, you know. Mm-hmm. So I get that. I like that. I like that feel. It's a sort of it's a sort of no nonsenseness, but not like in a in a kind of gruff way. It's it's just like, hey, I'm here. To, I'm here to take care of business. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can add. And, yeah. uh, you know, we've spoken about it already a gazillion times. Him and Ozzy Alonso in the central uh, central midfield area for Minnesota United. Uh, instantly, it's going to be better than anything this team has had since coming into Major League Soccer. So really excited to see what they bring. Yeah, on the on the, on the the Ozzy front, I, I sort of feel like maybe people are not paying enough attention to his acquisition, it seems like. Like, we sort of got him, and it was like, okay, great, you know. I feel like I mean obviously this is some of this is contingent upon him staying healthy which is a a question for anybody but you know he's not ancient he's 33 <laughs> you know like he's a lot of players so far in just Minnesota United's time in MLS have been big contributors at that age. Ibsen was was big, um, you know, for the brief amount of time that, that he was really healthy. Cronin was really big. Uh, Birch was a contributor. You know, they're sort of all in that 30-plus range, you know. Um I feel like he brings a combination of of edge and experience specifically in MLS that the team just has not had in that in that in that way. You know, there, we've had MLS veterans, we've had Colin Warner who's great. Colin's a great dude, but you know, it Alonzo was was a captain for a champion. <laughs> you know, you're talking about a guy like with leadership quality in this league, that is the league. He's not adjusting to playing in MLS. He's not a veteran coming from another another league who, you know, like, like I think Darwin brought a lot of leadership in the sense that he brought a lot of talent from a different league and, and people responded to that talent. But it's not the same as 10 years in 
with a franchise that's been one of the big franchises in the league. So I don't know. Do you feel like people are not people are going to be surprised by how much he can contribute, provided that he is he is healthy? You know. Well, first of all, I. <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer that if he was a, a centre-forward at the age of 33, he'd be getting much more attention because nobody gives attention to the holding midfielders. Right. Yes, once again, sadly, sadly <laughs> what is it? What is it? It's around so. the world. People don't give attention to them. Um, I, what I will say, Steve, is um, if you put... I mean, what, what do we consider a stereotypical... 33-year-old Major League Soccer player as? Like, what does that identify as, you know? And there's going to be loads of different opinions. Um, but for the, the vast majority of people, it would more than likely be, be a negative. Right. Probably because of the age, regardless of ability. Watching Ozzy Alonso play last season for Seattle Sounders and watching him in training over the last two days, I know it's really early, but he doesn't look like a 33-year-old. no. no. He's got so much energy about him. Uh, I, I loved what he said to the press as well, saying that he's he's never been more determined to win. I love that. He um, he just oozes a leadership that I don't think we've had before in the past. And he's going to be such a vital piece moving forward. Of course, he's not the long-term answer. He's 33. Mm -hmm. But what he is going to do is he's going to give us stability that we haven't had in the centre midfield area since coming into Major League Soccer. But he's also going to give us a tremendous leadership uh, in the locker room, which is, again, something we, we've not really had. So, yeah. I, <laughs> look, I... I get the negatives, but I also would say to people, let's just give him time. Let's watch him play first before we, we start making remarks. Yeah, I think that Adrian, you know, I think over the last few years, frequently referred to Ibsen as one of those players where any young player should look at him as a model of, of how you conduct yourself as a pro. And I think that's that's... Having seen Ibsen, again, at the age that he was at, you know, I think he's now 35. He's not with, with the team now. But um, to get up there and, and practice, give it his all, like give everything to every game he went out and played, um, that provides a huge, you know, model, role model, you know, for these young players. Um, that's great. Alonzo is not just going to be a, a role model. Like, he's going to get into these guys. Yes. And like any team, especially a team that has a bunch of young guys, we need some guys who need to be gotten into, you know, who need to understand that, like, your career in this league is not just a given. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's something you have to earn day after day. And I think Alonzo is one of those guys who's going to show who's going to show why <laughs> that, 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 that that's the case. Yeah, and, and I, I won't name names, but I, I hope he does get into a, a couple of individuals and, and give them a, a kick in the backside and say, look, what we've done the last two years hasn't been good enough. Yeah. And now we've really, really got to start playing and, and challenging and, and being playoff contenders, you know, and especially with Allianz Field around the corner. Yeah. We all know it's business time, and we've signed the perfect player to insinuate that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of it's been two years and now, and now it's really time, um, you know, Adrian Heath talked a little bit about it. he feels optimistic going into this third year. I think that he, he said in, in his availability, the most optimistic he's he's felt starting a, a season right now. Um, but also recognizing that he has been talking about a three year plan from the beginning mm. and, and saying that at the end of this year, we'll really have a sense of like, how have we done based on where we started from? Based on the past two years, that that growth, that evidence by the end of the year, that that can't just be uh, to to use some math here, that can't just be an arithmetic growth. This has to be geometric growth. Like, we have to catch up 
a lot um, to get to where I think the organization wants to be at the end of the third year. Um, wh- what do you think – What's your sense of, I don't know if you've had much time one-on-one to talk with Adrian. I know that's something that you get to do, you know, sort of on, on a week-to-week basis. But um, have you got any sense of, of of how he feels about that, about the amount of work that has to be done this season to get to that point? Uh, yes. <laughs> Can you repeat any of it? Probably in not. Polite company? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, I think um, Adrian's a very ambitious individual. And wants to be, um, he wants to be a part of a winning football club, which we know this team hasn't been the last two years. His frustrations have have been beyond what you can imagine, um, you know. Uh, but what what I will say is that they've this off season, the club the club knew everyone knows that the coaching staff, technical staff, whoever the entirety of the front office, everyone knows how big of a year this is. Everyone knows what's on the line this year. So this this is a tremendous opportunity for people, in my opinion, to show what they're really made of. Um, and the simple fact of the matter is, is that if it's not good enough, I, I, I wonder what we're going to be talking about this time next year, you know? So I think um, I think Adrian is the most, as he said, the most optimistic he's, he's been since he's been here. Because he, he's got in some of the the necessary tools that he he feels um, will help this team grow, and I, I still think there are more to come. And he said to the press that you know he's hoping for two or three more bodies, and and if they are bodies that can start and and be genuine uh, first team contenders and competitors and, and play 25, 30 games in MLS, then. I think the roster's probably going to be as strong as it's ever been. Yeah. So I can see why he's saying he's as optimistic as he ever has been. Yeah, I mean, certainly looking at, you know, starting the season with Darwin Quintero on the roster, for example, starting with Ozzy Alonso, with Jan Gregas. You've got three DPs, whereas last year you started with zero. Yep. Um, I mean, no serious shade to the likes of Franz Pangop and stuff like that. But that was sort of like we brought in a couple guys to see if they could pan out. You know, they had some moments, but... It, it didn't really pan out. Mm. Um, it, I mean, it's, it makes sense that the, you know, with, with, with better players come higher expectations. And I think that hopefully we're, they, they start to deliver on those expectations, but, um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a tall order. Although I will say the sense of, I felt there was a palpable sense in talking to Adrian about what Allianz field specifically is going to mean this season. And the fact of just, this isn't, I mean, it was just a, a momentary impression I had as he started talking about Allianz Field and remembering that we're going to go play in our home now, you know, as opposed to the sense that, like, we're a team and then this is where we play mm-hmm. is TCF Bank Stadium. I think, first of all, to the extent that the that TCF Bank Stadium had a home field, it's the fans. Like, yes. the, the supporters and the fans were incredible in TCF Bank. It was amazing. But... You know, as you're getting ready for the preseason, I remember those moments of the preseason. You're never thinking about like, oh, we're going to I can't wait to get back into that building. You're like, I can't wait to play. I can't wait to be in front of soccer. But you weren't thinking like, ah, the TCF Bank Stadium. It wasn't it wasn't ours. It wasn't our home. And the chance to start making Allianz Field be that and having been in Allianz Field and knowing how good it feels and how great. Everything looks in there. I mean, I know I'm sounding like I'm selling condos in Florida or something here, but like, <laughs> it's amazing to be in there, and that's without any soccer happening in there. <laughs> like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be incredible. So oh. I felt that coming from Adrian a little bit, like that sense of like, 
we're gonna, we need to stake a claim to this place, and that's exciting. Yeah, I think as well for Adrian that there's an element of obviously he, he missed out before with Orlando right. on the new stadium. He helped design that stadium, and now he gets an opportunity to be a part of this, you know. And, and I think he's he's incredibly excited as is everybody. Um, I, the one thing I'm trying to do right now, Steve, which I know I'm going to fail at, but I'm trying to not go to Allianz Fields at all until the opening day, the yeah. opening game, because yeah. I want to react as organically as I can. The last time I was there was in October when uh, the TV broadcast team had a, a tour and we, we yeah. saw our area and whatnot, and it, it was still sort of hard hat mode and whatnot, but you got a, a very good sense. Right. Um, but... I'm trying now not to go until the opening game. Admirable. I, I know it won't happen because I know we're going to have events and stuff there yeah. and whatnot. But, um, you know, if I can keep it to as minimal as possible, me going there, then I'll be very happy with that because I really want to react organically. I really want to, to be just um, as, as gleefully happy as every other home supporter there that day, you know, and and be as, as googly-eyed as everybody else yeah. will be, you know? So, yeah. um, you kind of want to meet it on its own terms, you know? Absolutely, like, yeah, absolutely. about that, which is great. And, and the reason why I'm doing this is because I did it in Kansas City, uh, where, I, again, I had a, a tour of some sort, um, and I remember I, I had to go and do something the, the night before the stadium opened, and that was my first real time that I saw it, but I hadn't seen it properly then and it was in the dark as well the floodlights weren't on or whatever so then opening day I remember against Chicago Fire opened up and and it was it, it certainly felt that it added something to the broadcast I was doing so that's what I'm going to try and do yeah. over yeah. the course of the next few months but as you said I'm not entirely convinced it'll happen but we'll wait and see I'll give it a good go yeah there is some there is some part of me that wants to just show up on April 13th at like 6 a.m. You know, which the sun just flicker over the yeah, edge. Right, you know, yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I think about that. I don't know. I think there's something about like spaces, you know, for people um, th that they have this sort of they can have this resonance, and it's interesting to come into a space that has a, sort of a history. Uh, you know, like I remember going to uh, Providence Park when we mm -hmm. were in, in Portland. I think we were both there for a training session, and that was the first time I'd been in there. And sort of walking out, and you sort of, in a glance, you sort of take in the stadium and everything like that. Or, you know, there's, there's like iconic moments, and I think it's in The Natural, the, the, the film uh, where uh, Roy Hobbs is, is hitting, uh, you know, in an empty stadium. There's sort of something about an empty stadium like that, or just any of the spaces we occupy in our lives. It's just really cool. It's really cool to have this opportunity to have to have it be fresh. Yeah, that first game is always going to be that first game, and it's there's things that are there are there's so much planning that's going into trying to make sure the experience is a good one, but we can't know exactly what that experience is going to be. It's like you can get 95 percent of the way there, but there's that that last little bit of magic that's just going to happen from bodies being in the place, um, and it's just. Uh, it's really exciting. I mean, it's really cold out right now. It's, it's hard to imagine it, but uh, but it's it's going to be really nice. It, it's going to be. I mean, we, we've said this millions of times, haven't we? But we'll continue to say, it, it it's going to be, uh, you know, arguably the greatest moment in the history of Minnesotan soccer when yeah. that stadium opens up. It's what people have waited decades for here. Yeah. So um, it, it's it's really an honor to be a part of it. And um, you know, how many times do you do this in your professional career? Yeah. You know, not, not that often. And so. how many times do do people supporting clubs? get to, to go to, to their new home. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So 
I'm really excited to see how, how the community embraces this. Really yeah. Am. All right, let's go back to the hot takes for a second here. Uh-oh. Sorry. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, in terms of, some decisions have to start being made in the preseason about who is who is who is going into that starting eleven, and obviously that that's the kind of thing that that fluctuates based on call-ups, based on injuries. Depth is always something that's great to have. Um, it's something that Ethan uh, Finley re-emphasized when I was talking to him. But it also get, you know made me think about who who has a lot to prove in this preseason. Like who's somebody who is who are the people who are really looking to show that they've that they want to challenge for that those starting spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with because everybody has their certain sort of ups and downs. And I'm not saying we have to decide who will. We're going to this is a conversation that they're going to make this conversation happen by their play, right? But to me I, I look at I look at those those wing positions and you look at having uh, the two Ibarras, Miguel and Romario, and you have Finley, and you have Molino. Um what do you think that Obviously, Finley and Molina are both coming back from injuries. Um, Romario is coming back from a, a good season, but where he was sort of half fit in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, Miguel is coming off of a great season, but he's always a guy who needs to prove himself, it seems like. And I, I think that can be a good thing. Um, I think he thrives when he he's challenged. Yep. So so this can be a good thing for all of them. How, like, how do you see that? How do you see that breaking down? I think in a perfect world you would start with Molino and Finley on day one at Vancouver. But as Adrian said to the press, you know, Finley obviously still needs a little bit of work. He's ahead of schedule, but, um, you know, preseason will tell us a lot in terms of if he's ready to go or not. Molino has had a little bit of a setback as well with with his other knee. Uh, Nothing too serious, but still was putting back a couple of weeks. So the good thing is here is that we now, maybe for the very first time, Steve, have the depth to... Of course, we're going to be worried about those players who aren't available, but it, it's not a real pressing issue because we have the depth sure. necessary. So... Right, if you have to start the two Ibarras... It's not a bad thing wide, at all. You're like, hey, they did great, often they, in those positions. I mean, know, let's, so. let's not forget as well that when push comes to, to shove, Abu Dunladi has played out wide as well. So, sure. you know, we, we've got options. But I agree with you that... I think we might have said this on the last podcast that I think over the course of the next couple of weeks during preseason, we are going to see several different combinations of these wide players. Sure. Um, you know, whether it is Finley and Romario Ibarra or, uh, you know, Molino and Finley or whoever, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see what happens. But no doubt about it, we all know Quintero is going to be slotting there in the middle. Yes. Um, the, the other area which I'm really intrigued to see what happens because I do think. Uh, that there needs to be a little more pressure on it, and, and I think there will be moving into preseason. I'm intrigued to see who starts at centre half in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. I think Brent Coleman for me has been a revelation. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's been one of the the best finds from the minor leagues. Yeah, ever. Talk, talk about League a guy soccer. who's had to prove himself at every step and has done amazing. I love it. He's been fantastic. Michael Boxall, I'm a big fan of as well. I think Boxall is nowhere near. Uh, given the credit he deserves either. Um, but I, I I see the argument for there needing to be more competition in that area. Yeah. Now, whether that's through Wyatt Omsberg, uh, whether that's through uh, another signing, I don't know. But that, that's another area I would encourage people to keep their eye on as well because I think if um, 
if the if the coaching staff get their way, there'll be more competition there yeah. in that particular area. So that could be somewhere to watch during the off season and, and, and during preseason, particularly. Yeah, you also mentioned um, Abu, who I think is is another another guy who has something to prove. You know, after he had a really good, um, you know, it, inconsistent but ended really strong in his rookie campaign, uh, beset by injuries last yeah. year, just couldn't couldn't shake couldn't shake them off. Um, you know he's still young. He's 23, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is which is still pretty young. It, obviously, he has a lot. He's got. There's a lot on the line for him this season. Big year for Abu. Yeah. Yeah. Big big year. And uh, look again. I, I'm purely speculating here, but I mean, if if it doesn't work out this year, you do wonder. Yeah. Is his time done with this club? You know. Um, I hope not because I like Abu as a person. Uh, I think there's there's so much potential there. He's he's. So raw, you know, he's got so much ability. He's strong, he's quick. Um, we, we've seen in, in 2017 particularly that he can finish as well all, and all types of goals as well, yeah. you know. I mean, yeah. over the last two years, we've seen, I mean, the, the, the lone goal that he got last year against Vancouver was from close range after good movement and a good run inside the box. But we've seen that the goals that he scored from outside the box as well against Atlanta and Montreal. There was a goal against Chicago that he scored in 2017, which Mm -hmm. was similar to the Vancouver one that I just mentioned. So uh, Abu, I I think this is is a a defining year for him uh, in terms of his career with Minnesota United and uh, I'm excited to see because again he's going to be pushed all the way through through Angelo Rodriguez as well um, and again look Steve competition is never a bad thing right. I, I know Adrian really rates Abu obviously he picked him number one yeah. so he really rates him he was extremely disappointed with his 2018 campaign I know they had words after the season as well Adrian voiced his annoyances and frustrations with Abu so I, I think um, I think uh, 2018 is obviously going to be a season and a year that Abu Dunladi will want to swiftly push aside 2019 it is a humongous year for him yeah. and uh, again we, we may very well see flashes of, of what could be in pre-season because we we were teased slightly in 2018 because if you remember, he had a tremendous preseason. Yeah, yep. He looked so sharp and he looked ready to go. And then obviously, what was it? Less than 30 minutes into the first game at San Jose, hamstring went, and that's where the problem started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, given what he showed at his best moments in 2017, he's really one of those guys where if he can, if he can get get it sorted, if he can stay healthy, and 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 he can work hard on the field and, and work hard off the field to stay healthy. Like he could he, he could he could be amazing. He could be one of the best one of the best fast forwards. Fast forward. Um <laughs> rewind. Uh you know, I mean his speed is just amazing and then his ability to hit some of those shots from outside of the box, like you said. I mean that that is that is a, a that is game changing pace. Um so if he can put it together, it'll be an amazing year for for him. Um another guy who I think uh I'm going to talk a little bit about our buddy Ras, Rasmus Schuler, yep. um, because I think a lot of people look at the the midfield now and they say they brought in Gregus, they brought in Alonzo, done deal. Like those those are the guys. Um, but I think as we've mentioned before on the show, like Schuler, Schuler is an incredibly active player who's done a lot. He doesn't necessarily always show up on the stat sheet for it, but if you look deeper into the stats, you know he he led the league in in, in a couple things like or is it near the top in it terms was of like interceptions and more, yeah and more, interceptions more, yeah. and tackles and things like mm-hmm. that so he works really hard he's quiet about it you know he's not the most talkative guy um 
Do you, do you see him challenging for for one of those spots that Alonzo that we believe are Alonzo or Gregasis? Yep, absolutely. I, I I think we we may very well have spoken about this briefly in the last podcast. I think because we have so many Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday games, I think there will be times where you see Alonzo drop out and Shula come in, and then I think what will happen is Jan Grigish will will drop a little deeper. More and, like a six. Exactly, yeah. and Shula will, will occupy that eight role. Um, and, and there'll be times as well where Grigish may, may very well drop out as well, and Shula and Alonso get to go together, you know. It, it, it sure. just depends on on the, the particular uh, opponent that we're playing. Um, on that Saturday or Wednesday, but or yeah, interna- look, international call-ups. You know, oh, right, exactly. There, there's so many ways that that Shula could could get a, a run out. And look, I know the coaching staff rate him. They like him. They really yeah. do. It's just they they thought as though that they they thought that we needed more stability in the central midfield area, and obviously they've gone and addressed that. So. I, I see no reason why Rasmus Schuller wouldn't wouldn't have again twenty twenty five games under his belt. I'm not mm-hmm. saying they're all starts, but you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, I can understand him being slightly disappointed with the acquisitions as well, because as yeah, you mentioned, the stats <laughs> were very much in his favour, and he went about his business very quietly, as you say. So, but look, I mean, the, it wouldn't surprise me as well, Steve. A couple of these away games as well. If we opt to go with a four-three-three, yeah, and we have Alonso sitting deeper with Gregish and Schuler alongside each other, you sure. know, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me again. So, uh, I, I wouldn't count Schuler out of the first team picture at all. I, I think he's got a big part to play this season. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let, let's close here. We're going to touch briefly on something you, we had talked about before the podcast got started. But um, uh, Tim Howard uh, mm-hmm. announcing that he's going to be uh, hanging up his gloves after this season. Um, your take on Tim Howard? It seemed like you had some things to say about him. Legend. Yeah. Utter, utter legend. And I, uh, I remember <laughs> the earlier days when he was playing at the the New York Metro Stars, as they were called back in the day. Um, he, uh, I remember him signing for Manchester United, and, and at the time I, I would have been oh, 12, 13 maybe, and, and I remember hearing of United signing this American goalkeeper. And, you know, uh, the U.S. Um, in, in the past has obviously suffered a little bit from a, a reputation standpoint for, for soccer across the world. But the one thing where the U.S. always had humongous respect was with its goalkeepers. If you think of the amount that they've produced that have become great goalkeepers and played in the Premier League as well, um, someone like Marcus Hanneman comes to mind straight away, Casey Keller, Brad Friedel... Tim Howard is amongst that category, maybe even at the top of it, you know. So he he played for the biggest club in the world. And, you know, he, he I think it was two seasons, three seasons he was there. He was in and out as the number one and then obviously went on and played. It was something like 400 Premier League games then for Everton. And, you know, Everton are a good team in the Premier League. So mm-hmm. um, the, the one moment, though, that I will never forget, Steve, is that game against Belgium for the US in the 2014 World Cup. If ever there was a moment to, to really define a distinguished career, that was that moment. And my word, he did it. Mm-hmm. I know it was, it was ultimately a loss for the US that particular day. But Belgium could have scored six or seven that day had it not have been for Tim Howard's ability. And, and for me, he, he will go down as one of the all-time greats. He yeah. really, really will. Um, I, I thought, you know, the the Rapids uh, made a great acquisition when they signed him. 
Uh, he's always said he wanted to finish his career in Major League Soccer. So I'm intrigued to see how much he plays this season. You know, Clint Irwin was a good acquisition for the Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with with this in the back of their minds. Um, but look, uh, for me, speaking from a, an English football fan's point of view, uh, I will always say Tim Howard is one of the, the greats in terms of Premier League goalkeepers, particularly when it comes to US goalkeepers. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because uh, talking to Dane St. Clair today, he was talking about, somebody asked him about his favorite goalkeepers, and he said growing up it was uh, uh, Casillas. Yep. Uh, but now, you know, he's he's definitely inspired by Zach Steffen, who also went to the University of Maryland. Um, and he sort of talks about himself as a, as a modern goalkeeper in that mold, somebody who likes to be aggressive, somebody who likes to play with the ball at his feet. Good. Um, and that this is, you know, sort of maybe sort of a trend in goalkeepers that you want more distribution out of the back in that way. Um, do you feel like there's any sense in which, like stylistically, Howard belongs to a kind of keeper that we just, we're not going to see as much anymore? Do you think it's shifting toward this kind of mold of keeper, the long, lanky, can move with the ball type of type of player? I like, and I'm saying this is like I just thought of it as you're talking, so I have no backup for this. I have not looked into it or anything like that. But mm. I'm just curious about this in sports where you see like you know a, a type of player at a position just disappears because the game moves on. Yeah, I mean, that 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 has happened, particularly in, in this game over the last couple of years. I think Tim Howard is one of the new breeds, to be honest, Steve, when okay. he came through. I think there was a certain type of goalkeeper before him, uh-huh. and, and he, as well as several others in the Premier League, I, I think, um, not give goalkeeping a new meaning, but it, it certainly opened goalkeeping up to a new avenue. Um, Tim Howard's distribution has always been very, very good. In fact, I remember him scoring a goal, actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think it was against Bolton, I think, when... Um, you know, the ball came to him uh, just outside his area and he thumped it forward and it, it bounced over the opposing goalkeeper and, and, and into the net. And um, You know, I, I just think he's, uh, he, he's really defined a generation of goalkeepers in the US. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, for, for me, um, you know, not, not quite yet, but I think in a couple of years it really wouldn't surprise me if he was put into the, um, the, the Soccer Hall of Fame. Uh, he, he deserves it, in my opinion. You know, he's obviously got a boatload of caps for the US and right. played for for them in in the, the most important moments over the last you know fifteen twenty years for the national team. So mm-hmm. you know the the big question now, Steve, is uh, and this is credit to Tim Howard, by the way. The big question is is what what do the US do next in terms of goalkeepers? You know, I I think the the answer now perhaps is probably Zach Steffen, but for a long long time everybody was thinking. Well, what are the US going to do now that Tim Howard's called it a day, now that Tim Howard isn't going to play for the national team anymore? There was always mention of, you know, goalkeepers like Bill Hamid and Sean Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad Guzan obviously has, has filled in for a couple of years um, since Howard stopped playing for the national team. But, you know, and I say this with all due respect to Brad Guzan, I, I, I like Brad Guzan, but it didn't feel as though he was at the same level as Tim Howard's. And I think a lot of people in this part of the world, particularly because of the, the amount of quality goalkeepers the US have produced over the years, it was a worry. It, it was a conversation on the tips of many soccer tongues in this country. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a goalkeeper at the level of Tim Howard. So, again, as I said, I think the answer now is more than likely going to be Zach Steffen, but it's credit to Tim Howard that he was the one creating those conversations. Dominant for so long. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. He's a legend. He really is. And, yeah. and you know... 
Yes. Well done on, on a tremendous career. Yeah. Terrific beard, also. <laughs> yes. Sterling facial hair. So. Yes. <laughs> I noted that, that that Miguel Ibarra has a little off-season beard, which I asked him about. Um, so. What did he say? Well, uh, I asked him why a beard, why now, which sort of took him took him off guard, I think. But um, <laughs> but uh, he said it was just a thing that, that people would be like, people used to tell him that he, he should grow a beard, so he decided to do it in the off-season. So I asked him if he was going to hold on to it. Um, but he's not sure, so we'll have to see how the preseason goes, I guess. So we'll wait and see. He's got that yeah. boy face, you know. So he's got a little baby face, hasn't he? Totally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining us for the 41st Sound of the Loons podcast. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Steve Enteris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>